We're going to end the parakeet that it's a, a principle which applies across the board in, in Yom of Achshava, Yom of Kabbalah even. There is the three worlds of what we call Naira, Nefesh, Rech, Neshama. So he says, V'ayla ha'gimel b'chinnis ma'isi debo machshava ha'im kala b'chinnis p'nimi shalotam. Sh'ayim ha'gimel b'chinnis nefesh v'rech neshama. These three ways a person can act through actions, physical actions, through speech and through his thoughts, parallel the three parts of the person which are his nefesh, his rech and neshama. What are these things? So we know. Let's do a bit of an outline before we continue inside. We know the nefesh is the part of a person which keeps him alive. A person has a physical life force because that he lives and uh, it's not unique to a person animals also live and we call them a nefesh also there's nefesh of behemoth there's nefesh of adam uh, we say in the bracha nefesh kol chai every living thing has a life force which keeps it alive it has to be active it's an amazing thing life comes through a constant in the, in the, in the physical sense uh, bloodstream the fact that there's a pulse the fact that it has a heart which beats in its blood which courses around the body and spiritually, that's the physical, that spiritual counterpart that is the nefesh. It also goes around the body and keeps it alive. And the apostle says, not once, but three times, ki adam nefesh. The blood carries the nefesh. Just like the blood goes everywhere in the body, the nefesh also, which means the life force goes around the body with it. And therefore, the one part of, the, of, of a person is the fact that he's alive. That's every animal, every bird, every insect, every living thing has the same concept. It always has the blood that's also alive. Okay, that's in terms of ruchnis, what we call the nefesh, the interaction between the spiritual and the physical. On the one hand, it's physical life. On the other hand, life by definition is something which isn't completely physical. Life by definition is something which can't be, so to speak, caught and analyzed in physical terms. It's something non-physical. The connection point between the two. There has to be a physical system for the life to be there. And the spiritual or non-physical element of life is what we call the nefesh. Combines the two of them. That's the ability in Ruchni's terms to interact with the body. So if a person wants to act, it's not just the fact that he wants to do something, he has to mobilize the body, he has to work together with his body. And therefore the nefesh is the part which was, the Zohar calls the shittuf to gufa. The shittuf, the partner of the body. It's a spiritual which has to interact with the physical, and therefore when a person wants to do physical things, eat, drink, sit, stand, whatever it is, act in a physical way, he needs to utilize both at the same time. On the one hand, he's using his body, on the other hand, he's using the nefesh. The nefesh. It goes the other way around as well. How does a person's physical body relate, relate to him? Through his nefesh. And therefore, if the body wants something, whether it's Midas, whether it's Taivas, whether it's Yitzhahara, whatever the body wants, the connection point that comes to the person, so to speak, I want this, is through his nefesh. Right, so that's the first level. The nefesh, and the corresponding is, level is the time, is the blood. Now, we know physically that the blood is produced by the liver. The liver in the body produces red blood cells, and if you're going to call the Mishkan of the nefesh, the place where it's entered is in the carpet. In the liver, where the blood, so to speak, begins. It's interesting, when you think of blood, you think of the heart. But the heart actually has nothing to do with the production of the blood. The heart just pumps it. The blood is produced in the liver. Yeah, so that's that first concept. The blood in the human body is produced by the liver, by the covet. Spiritually, the counterpart that is an nefesh. Right. says, 
right? The, the ability to do is in the nefesh, k'adamu a nefesh. That connects to the body, connects to the blood. Sh'anefesh shayro mislabish b'damu adam. The nefes rests on the blood of the person. And that's why the place where it's centered on is in the covet, in the level which is basically where the blood is The blood stream which goes through and follows all the different parts of the person's body, that gives an ability to move and brings it life. Today we understand blood flow better. We understand that, it's, that every part of every cell in the body needs oxygen. It's the blood which carries the oxygen around the body, which gives everything its life. And therefore the nefesh creates the ability to do maizim. If you're going to cut off the blood supply to a certain organ, so that's the first step. There's a second nefesh, and that's unique to human beings. When you're talking about an animal, we talk about, like we said, a nefesh, every living thing has a nefesh, and as long as it's alive, it has its nefesh. What happens after it dies? An animal, fish, bird, insect, even a person. So the nefesh is no longer in the body. There's no longer the, the life force in the body, but a life force doesn't get destroyed. A life force doesn't get destroyed. So where is it? So in the case of a person, the Goran tells us, the Ramagan tells us, that the nefesh remains next to wherever the body is and waits for Chesamesi. Because it's a life force which connects to the body. The body now no longer can house that life force. It's no longer alive. The nefesh has nowhere else to go. It waits. It waits next to the body. And that way, lost is love. Chesamesi will come and go back inside again. That's why in the Lashon of the Mishnah is, the notion of Chazal, the stone that's put on top of the mace, we call the headstone in English, the kever, the stone that's put on top of the mace, in the mission is called the nefesh. Oisim, the fascist, that's a dikim. It's called the nefesh, explains the Vilnagon, because that's a place for the, to, for the nefesh to wait. The nefesh waits in the, next to the kever. That's why people go far. And that's why, very good, that's what I say next. That's why you need to go to a kever. You're not going to the body of a tzaddik, he's dead, but his nefesh is dead. His nefesh is there, and therefore his nefesh can still communicate with the rest of him. And he made it, there's a point of going to a uh, tomb of a tzaddik, because one can still so speak, connect to the nefesh which is there. That's the first level. The second level, we spoke about, is the ability of a person to speak. Now, we understand speech is something which is uniquely human. Right? Every living thing has a nefesh. Only human beings have speech. Why? Animals can make a lot of sounds also. Some animals can even mimic human sounds pretty well. So why do we say speech is something which is unique to humans? So the answer is that speech isn't the ability to make sounds. Most animals can make some form of sounds and they probably could, I would assume, they can understand each other as well. So obviously saying something which is understandable. Right? So what's unique about speech? What's unique about human speech is that a speech which can express a thought as opposed to speech which expresses a feeling. Most animals, if you hurt them, they'll squeak or meow or moo or whatever sound they make because it's an expression of pain. Most animals, if they're content and they're happy, they make some kind of a sound also. But animal sounds are basically an expression of a nefesh. That the nefesh feels and they express feeling. 
just like people. People also don't make intelligible sounds when they're hurt, when they're happy, whatever it is. It's a sound. It's expressing with a feeling what they have, but it's not necessarily something which they are articulating. Those are sounds expressed of the nefesh. What makes human speech different is a person can explain himself. You can explain something you understand. Not just express a feeling. Now, why is this uniquely human? Why is this uniquely human? What, what a human being has, what an animal doesn't, is two things. Firstly, a logical mind. And secondly, and it's even more important than that, a sense of identity. A sense of identity. Animals don't have an individuality. They're part of a herd, they're part of a flock, whatever it is. They do whatever all the other animals do. There's nothing unique. There's nothing which uh, one cow is going to think sets me apart from other cows. Or one ant is going to think sets me apart from other ants. Or one, whatever animal it's going to be. Some lions, they try become main doing They all do. That's part of their instincts. They fight for superiority. But a person, has, they, they, they just want to be a stronger lion. Right? There's nothing unique about him or anyone else. He just might be stronger, bigger, whatever it is. But uh, the, the concept of a person having something which he feels is unique about him. And therefore, I'm not like everybody else. There's the, the, there's the me which is different. There's the me which is special. That's human. And this brings along its own range of abilities and its own range of nisyanus. For example, the idea of an identity, the idea of a connection to somebody else because you relate to that person more than just any random individual. A friendship. That also becomes I identify the personality of somebody else and I like that person. I connect to him on a personal basis, not just as some, another human being. The ability to explain yourself, the ability to have ideas, the ability to think, the ability to make decisions. These are all parts of what's uniquely human, which means a person has a sense of self. These are all expressions of that sense of self. Now, it comes with its own as well. All the Yetzirahs of, Go- of Gaiva, of Kovat, of Jealousy, are all rooted in the person's identity, not in his midas. So, for example, whereas the feelings of, of taiva for food, for drink, for other things, are all rooted in the body, feelings of pride, feelings of covet, feelings of things like that, of uh, jealousy for someone else, someone else's popularity, are all rooted in a person's, we call his ruch. His ruch means his sense of self, his identity. Now, if you think about it for a second, that's the etzim what a person's expressing. Right? Where a person, like we said this before in Dibur, a person's ability to express something is because he wants to make himself known to other people. Either it's make myself known, or make my opinion known, or make my ideas known, or make my thoughts known, or my feelings known. Right? That's all I need speech for. To think for myself, I don't need to. Th- I don't need to speak. To feel for myself, I don't need to speak. It's a way of conveying myself, to, of broadcasting myself, is through speech. Okay, if we understand that, then we understand the next point. And that is, a person's identity is his ruach. The ruach is, be'etzem, the spirit of a person. His nature, his personality. But ruach also means air, in the context of the Yisaitis. And in that context, it's interesting, because dafka, what's used for speech, is the air. When, when the air one uses to, to talk with is really just 
uh, vibrating on his vocal cords, but the koyach which speaks is the ruach which is coming out of a person's throat. Just instead of a person exhaling quietly, he's accessing his vocal cords to make sounds. That's also part of the ruach. The mishkan of the ruach, the place where the ruach resides in the person is in his heart. His heart, his lungs, and the whole uh, system between his heart and his lungs, that's what we call the mishkan of the ruach. Now, I'll show you an amazing thing. The Zara says this, all the Mepasha bring it down. I'll show you an amazing thing. You know, they've managed to dissect people, uh, dissect hearts, if you want, thousands of times. They've never yet found a place in the heart where a person feels from. And yet, everybody naturally tells you they feel from their heart. Whether it's love, whether it's hate, whether it's pain, whether it's fear, whether it's happiness. The, the Mishkan of feelings is the heart. Where in the heart? Where? The heart's a muscle. It's not like the brain, which is extremely complicated. They agree, admit they haven't understood all the intricacies of the brain. The heart's a muscle. They know exactly how it works. They can replace it. They can transplant it. They, they, know, how you, they know how to deal with heart. Where are these feelings coming from? And the answer is, and this is accepted, there's nothing else to say, it's nothing to do with the physical muscle of the heart. There's a concept of a person's feelings centered in the heart. We can't see it in the muscle. And the raya is, you can transplant the heart and give a person a different heart, and the new heart will pump, but he'll still feel the way he felt before. You haven't transported somebody else's feelings to him. Right? He'll still love the same people and hate the same people and feel the same way, which means it's something non-physical. A person's ability to feel is non-physical, but that's where it is. You feel it in your chest, you feel it in your heart. This is the ruach of a person. This is the identity of a person. And I'll prove this to you. A person most strongly considers himself his ruach, and the proof of this is, if you'd ask any random person, child, adult, doesn't make a difference, point to yourself and say me. Where are you going to point to? No one ever points to their head. No one ever points to their legs. No one even points to the middle point of their body. Me is naturally to my heart. It's just instinctive. Okay, that's my sense of self. That's my sense of self. Right? That's the ruch. Now, that's why the ability to speak is really an expression of a person's ruch. It says the Nefshachayim Vadebur, for Mibchinas HaRuch, and Mashikasov, Ruch Hashem Deberbi, the Ruch of Hashem Sfak, which is the Ruch Sfasov, the Ruch of a person's mouth, and the famous Pasuk, which is the biggest raya, when Hashem, Vayipach Pa'ap of Nishmas Chayim, says what made human life special is that it's the ruach which speaks. When you see every word a person expresses, that's when he expels the air from his chest which comes out of his mouth. Right. What happens to the ruach after a person dies? The nefesh we said stays by the body, stays in the cavern. And the ruach, that's you. A person is his ruach. And a person's identity remains exactly the same after he died. His sense of me isn't something else, it's still me. And that, that, sense, of, that, that sense of myself is what leaves a person's body when he's left And he still feels himself. Now, before we come to the Torah, I'll prove this to you. From Aesus, evidence of tens of thousands of people who've had near-death experiences. 
and been resuscitated and so what they and so what they experienced. And every single person says the same thing. Jew or non Jew alike. And that is, I felt that I left my body. And I could see myself looking down, I could see my body on the floor or in the car accident or on the operating table, wherever it's going to be. And I could see myself. I was watching from outside. And whoever the, the, the psychotherapists or doctors who've analyzed these people, and again, I'm not talking one or two cases, we're talking about tens of thousands of cases. The university studies on this. They're called post or the post-clinical death experience, right? They've all expressed exactly the same feeling. I was outside myself. I could see from on top. I watched what was happening to me. What happened? What is this? And the only explanation is that exactly what Chazal said, and we always knew was true in the Torah, and that is, a person isn't their body. There's something inside you which is the you, and detaches when a person dies. And now, but the important point is like this. When that spiritual part detaches it's not that the person's his body and sees his neshama flying away it's the other way around the person's what left he sees his body behind the person doesn't identify with his body anymore he, he himself is out the body he just sees his body out, outside of him as Kido uh, must be a very unsettling experience to be looking at your body from outside yourself but that's exactly what happens because the person is his ruh. that's him and he, he remains the same person. Just he's now out of the kli, out of the, so to speak, the body Hashem put that ruach into. At death, he leaves that ruach. He leaves that body. And now that ruach, which means the person, is out of himself. And therefore, what happens to the ruach is that's the reward or punishment level. If there's going to be a reward of Ganeidin, there's a punishment of Gehenna. I'm just going to use the example. There are other kinds of reward and punishment too, like we spoke about in Ikrim. Right? But the person is experiencing that because the person is the ruach. The body doesn't experience it. The body is dead. The body gets buried. The body has no feelings anymore. The person didn't stay behind. The person left. And the person is aware of himself exactly the same way as he was in his life. Just he now is aware of himself not inside a body. He's aware of himself as an entity outside a body. That's the ruach of a person. And the third level is makshadah. Ibechinus and neshama. What's the level of neshama? Neshama is something unique and the only place to apply Israel. And that is, the neshama is a person's ability to connect to Hashem. A person's ability to connect to Hashem. A person isn't his neshama. A person is, is his ruach. But the way he connects to Hashem, Hashem created the neshama and by connecting that neshama he connects to Hashem. And that's what the neshama is about a person. When a person's machshava, when he tries to focus his thoughts on what he's trying to achieve, so he can connect to that neshama. And the more a person connects to the neshama, the more of a high dark he's going to be on. But he remains the person. Where's the makam of the neshama? It's above a person's head. But the day the machshava, the day a person's focus on trying to reach that, so that in his mind he can, so to speak, make a connection. And that's why we say, the machshava is centered in the mayach. It's really above the mayach, but we call it the mayach. It says in the Meshachai, machshava b'chinas neshama, she'a melem amelamedes la'adam dayo bina b'tayra kedosha. That's where a person understands the Torah from. L'chein ikim ishkanu b'mayach, t'liya machshava. V'hiya b'china al-yadah shabahem, b'china b'b'rish yisraba. They talk about the nefesh of the dam, neshama zu ha'oifya divriyasa. Which is a dice, an understanding of a person, k'mosh b'rish ha'orach parashi. At that level that a person can think with, understand with, 
comprehend is the ability to connect to the Torah, the ability to connect to the Nisham. Right, it's only the Torah. There's no negative of the Nisham. There's no negative of the Nisham. The Nisham is something which a person can connect to on that Targa. And if a person chooses not to, then he doesn't. No, anything Rukhi. Anything Rukhi is a connection to the Shama if a person wants to connect there. If a person doesn't want to connect there, then he doesn't. Right? And that's why we have two systems in a person. We have a system in a person where a person can be a Melech. A person can be a Melech. A Melech literally means a king. What's the concept of Melech in a person? It's the Rashi Tevis. Mayach Lev Kovit. Which means, if a person is dictated to by his mind, and his, fa- his heart follows the mind, and that's Mashpia, that the Kovit follows the heart, then he's a Melech. He decides and he carries through his decisions. And then you have a Melech, it's someone who's in control. What's the exact opposite of a Melech? Somebody who's led, who's not in control. And the answer is, a Caliph. A Caliph is a dog. A dog isn't in control, he follows, he's loyal. Whatever his master tells him to, he does. The caliph in the person is when he starts with the covet and ends with the lev, and it never gets to the mach. Because there's no negative for the mach. Either a person's using his abilities to connect to it to do the right thing, or a person's choosing to ignore it and do the wrong thing. In which case, his body is telling his, his, him, him what to do, and he follows his body. So that's a covet lev. Covet lev is a caliph. What the Pasuk says about Paroi, when Hashem says to Moshe, there's no point talking to Paroi. Because Kaved Lev Paroi. Says Azar, not that his heart became heavy. Kaved Lev. His Kaved is in front of his Lev. He's acting based on what he, his feelings. He's not thinking. There's no Moach. There's no one to talk to. And then people are like that too. What's the difference between a person who follows his, his Neshama and a person who follows his, his body? So I mean, obviously, the one comes out of Saudi, the one comes out of Russia. But what I mean in the context now is when a person dies, his neshama goes back to Shemaim. If a person's mahalach in life was that he, his ruach, his sense of itself, followed his neshama, then the ruach will follow the neshama back to Shemaim. And he'll find himself in Gilead. If a person's mahalach in life was to follow his body, so then when he dies, he has nowhere to go. Because he can't follow his neshama to Shemaim. He never connected to it. And he can't follow his body anymore because the body is no longer alive. This is what we call the Ruchos, which wander around the world and have nowhere to go. Ruchos, people who have nowhere to go. They can't go to Shemaim because they're never connected to Shemaim. Then the Shemaim will go up will pull a Ruch water of a person who is connected to it. Gehenim is connected to his Neshama. He's, he's without a home. But more than that, he's without an identity. We said, the Ruach is a person's identity. A person gives himself identity by what he does. And when a person decided to follow his body his whole life, and now the body doesn't exist, the body is dead. So what is he? He's a Ruach without an identity. For those of us who know a little bit of the terminology of Kabbalah, this is called Kafakela. Kafakela literally means a slingshot. You know, when you have a sling, because you have an elastic, you put a slide in the elastic, you pull it back and you let it go. Right? Now, what happens? You face, let's see you hold this thing, you face it up, pull it back, let it go. The slide is going to shoot up into the air as high as it's going to go, and then it's going to fall back down again. Right? Why? It's not going to stay up there, it's going to hold it up. It will become pulled back down. That's what exactly what we're talking about here. 
the Ruch who wants to go up to Shemaim, it tries, but it can't. It's going to hold it in Shemaim. It never connected to its Neshama, so it's going to fall back down. But there's no place here either. It's going to try to go back up again. There's no for that. It's going to come back down. And it's left without, without, like I said, without the Malcolm and without an identity. That's the that's the pasuk. The nefesh, the ruach of the Russia. It's left with nothing. The ruach of the connects to his neshama. Now, there's one point I want to talk about just because Zayla and the Shia asked this question, and that is when we talk about what happens to a person like that. Nebuch. Nebuch. It's very sad. He's wasted his life. We speak about the concept of Gilgulim. And people always ask the question, if, if there are lots of Gilgulim, so then which one comes back in the Nasid Lava? And it's not a question. Let me explain. Okay, there are exceptions, there are different kinds of Gilgulim, but generally, the way the Gilgulim works, the way that Arizal explains it, the, the principle normally, again, there are exceptions, but generally the way Gilgulim works is, and the Shama as a Tafkid. We spoke about it before, right? There are 600,000 Shamas. There's 600,000 Tafkidim. But sometimes the Tafkid is carried out by lots of different people. Now, it means each individual person is a Ruach. But there could be lots of Ruachas attached to one Neshama. Each one is doing a part of the job of that Neshama. What the Neshama is, isn't, or what, however many people are connected to it, is not the point. Because you are your Ruach. And every Ruach is unique. And if you did your job, then you'll come back as, a, as you. And if the other guy who was also in the Neshama did his job, he'll come back as him. Because the person's identity is his Ruach. The fact that the Neshama needs a lot of people to do the job of that Neshama, that's okay. We're all working on it together. And I'll give you an example. There's the Neshama of Moshe Rabbeinu. It's the Neshama of the Neshama of That Neshama's Tafkir is Neshama Torah. In Moshe Rabbeinu's Dar, that was his job. In Rav Shimon Bayechai's Dar, that was his job. And that's why he says about himself in the Zohar that he's a chalik of the Neshama of Moshe Rabbeinu. It doesn't mean he's the same person. It means he's connected to the same Neshama. And I'll just take it a step later. In the Gemara, Rav Safra calls his teacher Rava, Moshe Rabbeinu. That's a bit of a strange thing to say, right? Rava's name wasn't Moshe. Ella what? But what he's saying is, you the Moshe of this star. Which means the Neshama of the Neshama of this star, you, that you the person is connected to that Neshama. And so Moshe will come back, and Yerushim Ba'yichai will come back, and Rava will come back, and any other God will, will, in his star who was the Moshe of that star will come back too. They're different ruchos. They're different people. They have a job that they're all working, for, they're all connected to that neshama, which means the neshama of the Nais And you have the neshama of the Baal of the Dar, and the neshama of the people who are meant to be the Baal Etfil of the Dar, and the Baal Avoid of the Dar, and the Baal whatever else is meant to be of the Dar. And it could be that even in one Dar, there are lots of people. I don't know. I don't know. well enough. But if you're going to say, let's say, that there's a one neshama, which is the neshama of Baal Echasadim, and you have hundreds of Baal Echasadim. It could be all connected to them. And it doesn't take away from it. Each person is coming back. Because everyone comes back as a Ruach. The Neshama they're connected to is the way they relate to Hashem. Each person comes back as a Ruach. It's like a Marshall yesterday. So I asked this question. It's like imagine you're working for a big international company. Whatever the company is going to be. You're working for FedEx. Right? So you're running the Israeli office. Does that mean that because you, that there aren't people in other parts of the world running the same business? They are. They have the offices in their countries. You're in Israel, he's in America, he's in England, he's in France, he's in Spain. And so what? So you're all working for a company, but each one has their branch. Think of the Nisham as the same thing. The Nisham is a certain 
a certain way of thinking to Hashem. It's a certain tafkir in the world. Right. And if this is if I'm connected to that neshama, then this is my branch. I'm running that branch of the neshama. Whether it depends on the place, the door, the situation, the position, whatever it's going to be, okay, in my situation, that's my cash, that's my cash to that neshama. And if I do my job, then I, the individual, will come back as me. And if the other hundred thousand, however many people there's that neshama, or do their jobs, they'll come back as them. We all we all come back as individuals. We all have a certain task to do. So we that we understood today. I think you said these three principles of how a person can act, speak, think, recall. Really relate to the three levels within the human being, within the Jew. A nefesh, which every living thing has, its ability to act, to connect to the body. A ruach, which means this personality and identity, which every human being has. And lastly, a neshama, which is something unique for Kal Yisrael. The tafkirim in this world, which were given out, were only given out to Kal Yisrael. And all Kal Yisrael are connected somehow to those neshamas.